the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, February the 18th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on February 18, 2001, auto racing star, legend, Dale Earnhardt Sr. died in a crash at Daytona Beach 500, at the Daytona 500. He was 49 years old. Today in 1564, artist Michelangelo, he died in Rome. He was probably not killed in a car wreck. Today in 1885, Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. They were published in the U.S. for the first time. It had been published in Britain and Canada previously. Today in 1972, the California Supreme Court struck down the state's death penalty. Today in 1983, 13 people were shot to death at a gambling club in Seattle's Chinatown. It became a national story. There was a lot to it. In fact, I interviewed one of the people, I think it was a police officer, I can't remember, on on our television program at the time. But uh, it became a national story, but it became known as the Wami Massacre. Today in 1983, Seattle's Chinatown. Today, in 1984, Italy and the Vatican signed an accord under which Roman Catholicism ceased to be the state religion of Italy. Today, in 2016, in what was seen as a criticism of Donald Trump, Pope Francis said that a person who advocated building walls was not Christian. Some noted that the Vatican has a number of walls on its properties. Five years ago today, Norma... McCorvey, whose legal challenge under this pseudonym, Jane Roe, led to the U.S. Supreme Court's decision that legalized abortion. She passed away in Katy, Texas. She was 69 years old. But the rest of the story is that before she passed away, she became a Christian, and she became a very strong advocate for life, and a very strong opponent, a very outspoken opponent of abortion. Isn't it interesting how that to truly change a culture, it must begin with the heart. When the heart of America is turned toward God, our culture will change. I'm not suggesting for a moment that we shouldn't be active in politics. Christians must be involved in politics. We must be. We're called to be. God has given us much, and we're called to be stewards of the freedoms and the liberties that he's given us. But ultimately, we've got to keep in focus the fact that ultimately, the heart must be changed. And if the heart is changed, the culture will be changed. So we fight on two fronts. On the one front, we try to influence legislation. We try to elect people who will 
honor, who embrace personally, if possible, biblical values and principles. But at the same time, we must continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God unto salvation. And that is the path to a righteous nation, a prosperous, a free nation. Our founders understood that. Some of the people that run America today that are in power, because we placed them there with our vote, not my vote or yours probably, but our collective vote, I think, depends on if the elections were valid, but that's another point. But they're there because the people put them there. And we are in one big mess in America today. In fact, it's so bad that, honestly, 66% of voters believe that Joe Biden must take a mental test. 66% of Americans. Most voters, Rasmussen put this out last night, Most voters believe that President Joe Biden's mental abilities have declined since he took office. Well, they have, but they were in decline before he took office. Nobody could believe he got elected. He sat in his basement month after month after month while everybody else that was running for president was out crisscrossing the country and doing what we have done since America became America. They were out campaigning, talking to the people, saying, asking for their vote and so on. Not Joe Biden. He was sitting in his in his basement. And he would get on once in a while, and they'd edit his remarks, and, and he would go away for a while. I've never seen anything like it in my life. No, many others haven't either. But yes, his, his abilities have declined since he became president, and it's almost daily. That's not a criticism. It's an observation. And it should concern every American, whether you're Republican, Independent, Democrat, whatever. This is not a good situation. It's not good for the country. It's not good for the world. The world, our enemies are laughing about it, taking every advantage of it, particularly China, Russia as well, playing with the United States and the world on the border of the Ukraine. But yes, 66%. This new survey by Rasmussen, it reports that 42% of likely U.S. voters are confident Biden is physically and mentally up for the job. 42% think he's okay, no problem. That's amazing in and of itself, but 27% of that 42% are very confident. Boy, I don't know. (laughs) That concerns me. I won't even go there, but Anyway, 56% are not confident of his job, including 45% who are not at all confident, with 66% of voters believing that Biden should take a mental test. He probably has taken one, but I can almost assure you they will not release, they will not release the, um, the findings of that particular test. The organizer of the Canadian Trucker Freedom Convoy. He's been arrested. You probably heard that. Authorities took Chris Barber. He's one of the guys that kind of organized that from the beginning, has been leading it. There's several of them. He's one. They took him into custody last night. 
CBC, the uh, Canadian broadcasting company, they're, they're reporting uh, this morning that earlier this month, Barber responded to criticism. The, repo- the protest was negatively affecting Ottawa residents by saying organizers had empathy for local residents. He said, this Barber guy, he said, we understand your frustration and genuinely wish there was another way for us to get our message across, but the responsibility for your inconvenience lies squarely on the shoulders of the politicians who have preferred to vilify and call us names rather than engage in respectful, serious dialogue. That's true. Barber's arrest comes just days after the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, became kind of a dictator. I mean, he invoked this ancient law that had never been used before in the country and sort of took over. He really did take on the role for himself as dictator. He said circumstances and, and situation demands it. But he started clamping down on this peaceful protest. These people weren't weren't. I mean, they weren't marching through the streets of Seattle and Portland burning people's businesses. That's for sure. But oh no, they couldn't have this. They were merely, merely trying to get the attention of their government to tell them that you're killing my business with your mandates. They weren't even anti-vaccination. I mean, some of them are, but that wasn't the point. The point was they were anti-mandate. And that's what has been sort of the the surviving thread in all of this and much of what's been going on in the United States as well. It isn't about shots as much as it's about the government demanding that you're going to do this, you're going to stick this in your arm, you're going to do that, and so on. And they are, they are the personification of confusion. Fauci was on the air yesterday talking about the fact that he really doesn't know what the next step's going to be. I mean, honestly, he was. He's so confident in his position that he doesn't feel he has to take one because he doesn't have one. He doesn't know what's next. But he was talking about, he was teasing that there will be a fourth shot soon coming, he thinks. It'll probably be necessary, suggesting even hinting at the fact that there may be regular shots from forever and ever. I mean, they don't know what they're doing, and we don't expect anyone to know everything. But, boy, we do expect people in leadership to know something about what they're doing. And I think that's, I mean, that's just me, but I think that kind of most of us ordinary folks across the country, whether it's the United States or Canada, that's kind of how we feel about things. But the Canadian government is now hunting down convoy participants and freezing bank accounts belonging to anyone who donated to this cause. I did a little research on that because I didn't believe that the first time I read it. I'll be honest with you, but they are, and they're they're planning to do more of it. In fact, uh, yesterday, this deputy prime minister, this uh, Christia, I think that's how you pronounce her first name, Christia Freeland, she said this, and I'm quoting, The names of both, she's the deputy prime minister. She said, the names of both individuals and entities, as well as crypto wallets, have been shared with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, with financial institutions, and accounts have been frozen, and more accounts will be frozen. Wow. So many people fled their homeland 
to come to America and Canada for freedom. And a lot of those folks are saying, hey, this is what we fled. And we don't really want any part of it. I got this note from a person. He said, he said, Dear Gary, God bless the truck drivers. I marvel how they move in the city with those big rigs. I can't even drive a stick shift and struggle when I parallel park my pickup. I always wanted to be a truck driver down deep inside. He said, there's a song I remember called 18 Wheels and a Dozen of Roses. For me, it sums up a day, up day-to-day life, a good life, I think, for every that everyone strives for. Well, keep trucking, Gary. God bless. Well, we, we, we will. This may not be a good time to be a trucker in Canada, my friend, but I understand we all had aspirations when we were little boys. I... I went through several things. Truck driver was one of them. There were two or three other things I wanted to be. I, one of which was Roy Rogers. That didn't work out for me either. But um, we all have those aspirations. I got this note in the mail with a contribution, a very generous contribution. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of the fools poureth out foolishness. Keep sharing, Gary. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for your support of what we're doing here. We have no other source of support. We don't have, you know, foundations and big organizations stepping up and saying, Gary, we really believe in what you're doing. We want to help. I mean, it's not there. Amazon has noted that they're finally going to stop their big contributions to Black Lives Matter for a while because of all the reasons we know. But uh, we don't have anybody like that behind us. What fully funds this program that we do every day and the budget that we have. And we do a lot on a what would be considered a very modest budget for radio broadcasting. And we're on a number of stations now and reaching more and more people all the time. And we hear from you. And there, there's a group of you, and, and I know you're listening. You stand with us each month, and thank you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because I feel very strongly about what we're doing. I feel God really spoke to my heart when we started this a a few years ago. And I just made a commitment in my own self with the Lord that I will do this as long as I'm able to, you know, open my mouth and talk into a microphone. And as long as you'll stand with me and support us, we'll talk about it. We'll do it live so we can be current in the most you know, realistic way. I mean, we're talking about what's happening today, right now. And that's why we do this live every morning. So it's an extra effort for me, but I don't mind. And it's an extra effort for a number of people, particularly as we originate on ACN. I get them up a little earlier in the morning and probably put a lot more work on their shoulders than they would normally have. And I understand that and appreciate it. But that's what we do. And so many of you understand and appreciate it as well. And I want to thank you for standing with us. We need your help in order to do what we do. And thank you to all of you who support us. And if you've been thinking about it or if you feel like what we're doing is worthwhile and of value, thank you for prayerfully considering becoming one of our supporters. We need you. We need you to join up with us and walk with us on this journey. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington. 98009, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go to our website, Faith and Freedom, Faith and Freedom, 
.us, not .com, but .us. You'll find an article that I write every weekday. We publish it every morning. It's read by a lot of people. Um, and there's a place, there's a tab there you can donate as well. So thank you so much to all of you who give and to those of you who are about to start giving. Thank you in advance. The Warriors at the Washington Post, one of the two probably most famous newspapers in America, they've become infamous for their left-leaning. They're not objective news at all. They don't even pretend to be anymore, but it is what it is. But their banner, their slogan, says, Democracy dies in the darkness. If you look at a any issue of the uh, Washington Post, you'll see that. That's the slogan they live by. Democracy dies in the darkness. Well, they're creating some darkness of their own this week. They do so often, but they're doing it again. They had a feature article yesterday on Biden's pick for the Supreme Court. No, they weren't projecting who he might pick, but they were talking about who Clive, who one of Biden's strongest supporters wants him to pick. One of their own, Bill Clinton, taught us that it all depends on what is, is. <laughs> Remember that? But the Washington Post is teaching us that racism is only racism under certain circumstances. And that's coming straight from the president. Is black more about a worldview than an ethnicity? I didn't think it was, but I don't know. If you watch and listen to these people, I think maybe it is. Yesterday morning, the Washington Post headline read, quote, Jim Clyburn saved Biden's candidacy. Now has the president's ear on Supreme Court picks. That's the launching pad for this, this story. The South Carolina lawmaker has tremendous influence in the White House, they said, and he has made it clear he wants the president to nominate U.S. District Judge J. Michelle Childs to the Supreme Court. I'm quoting from the Washington Post. They continue, quote, Most nights when he's in Washington, House Majority Whip James E. Clyburn sits down to dinner with Cedric Ridgman, one of President Biden's closest advisors at the members-only members National Democratic Club. The entire story, which is not an op-ed, it's supposed to be hard news. There's a difference, and they always make that. Seattle Times always goes way out of their way to say, well, that's an op-ed, that's opinion. But our hard news is, is not opinion. Well, it is. But anyway, all the papers do that nowadays. But anyway, they, they, it's supposed to be a hard news story. But it's about Clyburn's significant power within the Democrat Party and why he's not choosing a black woman that is further to the left for his recommendation to Biden, because most people agree, and I agree, that Clyburn did turn around Joe Biden's uh, candidacy during the Democrat primaries. He wasn't winning. I mean, neither he nor Kamala Harris were winning the race. Bernie Sanders was leading, and Clyburn stepped up and used his influence to help Biden. And everybody knows that, including Biden. I think Biden knows it. I mean, his wife knows it. He knows. Anyway, in the framing, a quote from Representative Benny G. Thompson. He's a Democrat from Mississippi. Washington Post yesterday decided to characterize Justice Clarence Thomas 
in the context of talking about Jim Clyburn, a black man who's helped Biden get into the presidency, they chose in that context to characterize Justice Clarence Thomas as, quote, I'm quoting them, the black justice whose rulings often resemble the thinking of white conservatives. I thought, what? When I read that, I, I, this is everything they claim to be against. They're trying to cancel. They're trying to fix. That's why critical race theory is like the Bible in education and elsewhere. In just one line, the Washington Post erased the existence of black conservatives, implying that Justice Thomas is some sort of a race traitor and, the, and issued what may be one of the dumbest characterizations and the most disgraceful in recent history. These people who claim to be leading the, 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 the movement, the parade for equity and inclusion and blah, 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 they turn right around, and if you're not the right kind of a black, away with you. And that's what they were doing with Clarence Thomas, who's one of the nicest, brightest people on the Supreme Court. But he's not the right kind of a black for the left. I know this is straight talk, but it's the way it is. I'm not the only one that noticed. Apparently, I didn't contact Washington Post, but apparently people did. In fact, the backlash was so strong that at 2.25 p.m. yesterday afternoon, they came out with this. <laughs> they called it a clarification. Clarification was written in fairly big type and all capital letters. Here's what they said. They said, a previous version of this story imprecisely referred to Justice Clarence Thomas's opinions as often reflecting the thinking of white conservatives rather than conservatives broadly. That reference has been removed. Does the news media, does those people at that newspaper really think that those little words will get them off the hook? Everybody knows they're racist. They're not for blacks. Therefore, only blacks that will advance their agenda. If you're a, the wrong kind of a black or Latino or whatever, we have no interest in you. That's what they were saying because that's what they believe. Spencer Brown wrote an article right after they came out with this thing at 2.25 yesterday afternoon. He said that doesn't make anything right after he read their clarification. Spencer Brown wrote, he said, that doesn't make anything right. Casual racism is not something Washington Post needed to clarify. It was plainly clear to everyone that they were engaging in biased partisan race baiting in what they pretended was news. The Washington Post is acting like getting caught being racist nonsense only requires a clarification due to the... <laughs> due to the... I, I can hardly believe this. They think we people out here are so stupid that we don't even get stuff. Clarification due to imprecisely stating that a black Supreme Court justice can't think for himself and only exists as a mouthpiece for white conservatives, a retraction of the alleged news story and an apology to Justice Thomas and black conservatives everywhere should have come from that newspaper. But oh no, no, that won't come. 
The Post report on Joe Biden's quest to fill an upcoming Supreme Court vacancy conveniently neglects to mention the fact that Clarence Thomas's 1991 confirmation to the Supreme Court, I remember it well, and I went back and spent a few minutes reviewing it. It was assaulted by what Thomas called at the time a high-tech lynching, something that was led by then-Senator Joe Biden himself, who was chairman of the committee. It was awful. I hadn't seen anything like that before, honestly, and I have been paying attention to politics and our political leaders my entire adult life as a pastor, and I've talked about it from the pulpit, but I'd never seen anything quite like that. Apparently, the lynching continues if a black person doesn't believe what the left demands everyone believe. A couple of years ago, filmmakers produced a documentary about Clarence Thomas. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's very, very interesting and inspirational, really. It included unprecedented access to Thomas, his thoughts, and the attempted high-tech lynching that he mentioned by none other than Senator Joe Biden. The Wall Street Journal remembers it. A couple of years ago, they wrote an article, kind of a follow-up. Biden became chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee after the 1986 elections, just in time to preside over the confirmation hearings of Robert Bork. And it was so bad because he was a conservative. He was a white conservative, but it doesn't matter. And that's my point. It doesn't matter if your skin is black or brown or yellow or white. If you don't agree with the party line of liberalism, progressivism, humanism, out with you. They're not trying to help blacks. They're trying to promote and advance their agenda. If they can pretend to be helping blacks, okay, well, that's fine. We're all, yeah, equity and inclusion. This, that's why these words ring hollow to me. I don't believe them. Their actions speak louder than their words. And this is one of those cases where it did. They didn't like Bork, white Mr. Bork, because he didn't agree with them philosophically, and they destroyed the man. He was brilliant. They don't like Clarence Thomas. He's black. It doesn't matter. We don't agree with what he believes. So away with him, except they didn't get him. He got confirmed. It's amazing how this works. I don't know what's in the heart of our president, but having observed his and other so-called progressive actions, he has certainly honed the art of using racism as a tool to advance an agenda. To the leftists, the end always justifies the means. Most often, the means includes using racism to get what you want and need, to have power. That's what it's about. We're at a point in our country where academia is claiming and declaring that Abraham Lincoln is a racist in San Francisco. And the people of San Francisco this week rejected that idea. It's that bad. Do you think of San Francisco as some kind of a bastion of conservatism? None of us do. But the people there recalled three board members, school board members, because they were leading this charge to rename high schools that had the name of Abraham Lincoln or George Washington on the high school. And even the people in the most liberal, pathetic city now, beautiful city once, San Francisco, are pushing back and saying, no, no, we don't support this. That's too much. We're not going to go there. That's what's happening in America. But take this with you over the weekend. The heart, 
must be changed to restore the culture. Thanks for being with me today. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.